UMass just effectively split their weekend home-and-home home series with Merrimack. One overtime win, one overtime loss. Lots of good, some bad. We're going to talk about all of it now. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of High Character. UMass just had a home-and-home series with Merrimack in which they walked away with three points. Game one was an overtime win at home, and game two was an overtime loss on the road. We are going to talk all about that in this episode. My name is Cameron, and I am joined by my good friend, Evan. Evan, how are you feeling, man? Um, All things considered, pretty crappy. Hey, I don't know. It's I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of splitting my feelings about this weekend. I mean... We're, we're obviously recording this at midnight after the the overtime loss. Um, total punch to the gut, to the to the dick, whatever whatever body part you want to refer to as this being a punch to. We're we're all kind of feeling it. It was that was a really tough second game, just in the way that it happened. You know, it was just really tough to you know see us hold on to such a lead. You know that at times could have been considered slightly undeserved due to all the nasty saves that Cole Brady had to make to even put us into that position. But yeah, really, really frustrating game all around. You know, like we were 30 seconds away from getting all three points in that game and we come away with one that really sucks. But overall, I mean, if you were to say for, for this Merrimack team, if, if somebody were to come up to me and say, Hey, you're getting three points this weekend. Yeah, that's that's about fair. You know what I mean? Knowing how how difficult games are against Merrimack historically are, it's really not the worst possible outcome because you're basically in a 50-50 game with them regardless because they're almost always one-goal games. So can't be that mad, but the way that it happened tonight really hurt. It really stung. Yeah, it definitely did. And we'll, we'll get more into game two a little bit later. Um, I guess we can just jump right into game one and go from there. This... First one seems like forever ago, not just last night, but uh, so I'm going to need to refresh myself a little bit on it. Um, but going in, um, like Evan said, Merrimack played UMass hard. Um, and going in, uh, we know that Merrimack always plays UMass hard. It's been like that even since the UMass program has been really good over the last few seasons. Merrimack just finds a way to play really close games with us. They can stifle our offense very well. So um, the games are usually pretty low scoring, pretty, pretty solid hockey games. And both of these games were no different. So game one, um, I, I thought UMass came out very flat. Um, they were giving away a lot of opportunities to Merrimack, a lot of good scoring chances. Um, luckily they didn't give anything up in that first period, but it just seems like uh, one of those, like, Oh, here we go again with Merrimack. Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of tough early on, you know, like it wasn't the greatest start to a game. I feel like that's been I don't want to say kind of a, a recurring theme, but there at least in recent memory in the past couple of games, there have been moments where, you know, the first two to three minutes of the game, the other team always seems to get like that one scoring chance. And in all of those situations, luckily, it hasn't gone against us. You know what I mean? But it's definitely a case of, you know, the first couple of minutes, we kind of need that wake up call to really tighten up the ship defensively. And then we usually kind of settle into it and we play a lot better over the course of the period. And I feel like this game was no different. Um, a little tough early on, but obviously we broke through in that first period with uh, the 
uh, Lautenbach goal, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, so uh, three minutes and 26 seconds in, we get just an absolutely beautiful pass from Taylor McCarr setting up Brian Lautenbach in the slot. Um, he he buries it, and then he gives a big point to Taylor after as to tell him that was that one's on you. That was a great pass. Um, really good connection there, and that made it one nothing. And that's how it stood uh, for the whole rest of the first. Yeah, no, it was an, it was an awesome play by Taylor. I mean, he's just been so quick and so speedy, and I'd say a lot more intelligent with a lot of his plays. I think he really, you know, he was chasing down that puck with a purpose, knowing that he was going to find Lautenbach in front of the net with the eventual pass and. You know, it was just a great bit of speed, but also skill to kind of get the stick lift. I think he ended up picking the puck off of a of a Merrimack defenseman there before he slots it into the into the high slot, basically for Lautenbach to just knock it, you know, tuck it away, which was awesome. But um, yeah, it was a great goal. I mean, Lautenbach kind of not really known for his amazing shooting ability. You know, like he can put him on net, obviously. You know, he's a very very solid shooter in his own right, but. He, he put that one kind of right in the soft spot of, of Olas's like underarm where you really can't kind of, you really can't get the blocker on it, but you also can't get the stick on it. It's kind of a weird angle. So it was, you know, a very well-placed shot and a really well-worked goal overall. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah. So like I said, the first period ended one, nothing. We moved to the second, seemed like UMass putting out a much better effort to at least to start this period, um, better scoring chances, controlling the puck a bit more. They were still getting outshot, um, and they weren't winning faceoffs uh, quite at the rate that we've seen them win. So, um, a couple a couple of points were concerned there, um, and then the momentum switched yet again. Merrimack got a little bit of little bit of momentum, and seemed like just a matter of time. But they finally they finally found the back in the net. Puck kind of trickled in um, about eleven minutes into the second period. Yeah, I mean this, it it kind of I'm I'm not gonna say it was a given but it seemed like the run of play was kind of switching more towards Merrimack's favor. You know, they were kind of due for one at that point. And yeah, so they, they definitely had some, some kind of offensive momentum in the, in their ozone and they were cycling the puck pretty well. It gets up to the point and it was just kind of a low wrister that there was a guy in front of the net that was kind of doing like a half screen, like half tip type of scenario. And I don't even think he actually got a, got a stick to it at all. And it yeah, just I think it was went, a UMass guy that it went off yeah, of. It took a really weird bounce out in front. It, yeah, I think it was one of our own defensemen at that point. It might have been Bollinger off the top of my head. I don't remember. But it just kind of trickles through the five hole. Pavisic knew it was getting behind him, so he started to kind of do this weird snow angel type thing to try and knock the puck out from behind him. And it was too little too late. It kind of just trickled in behind him, which is super unfortunate knowing that you know, you knew exactly where the puck was going at that point if it, you know, kind of trickled underneath your five hole like that. But you're literally, you know, two inches away from the puck on the backswing and you just couldn't knock it out, which really sucks. But yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate goal to give up, but I think we kind of started to turn it around afterwards. Yeah. Uh, in the third we did, uh, but that um, second period, um, another heavily Merrimack heavily outshot UMass. I, I think um, tallying it up right now after two, the shots were, 22 to nine in Merrimack's favor. Um, and they're le- leading in faceoffs as well. So um, just really stifling UMass, uh, having a lot of good scoring chances. Um, I definitely think they played like the better team, at least in the first two periods. Uh, and that moves us to the third. We uh, get a pretty, some pretty good chances. And then we end up getting another power play. And Ryan Ufko gets the puck in the high slot and just 
Barry's a wrister off bar. It was a really pretty goal. And he, uh, he came right, right up to where we were sitting on the glass to sell it, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it almost looked like he was kind of selling with us, which was really cool. I mean, we were going absolutely ballistic in the stands because that goal, like, from the angle that we were watching it at was, like, extremely picturesque. Like, you basically have just Ufko shuffling along the blue line, kind of putting on some Kale-type moves. He was kind of doing some, like, cross sort of skating moves to try and, you know, move the defender one way so he could shoot the other way. And he had some patience. He looked like a Buddhist monk out there. Like he was just one with everybody. Like he was meditating with the puck, basically waited for the right moment to pick his shot. And it was like, it's like a critical hit in a video game. Like it was literally exactly where it needed to go. He just nips it bar down on him, which I mean, you really can't get a better play shot than that when it goes off bar and then just right into the net like that. That's unbelievable. I'm pretty sure we threw about four or five people on the way by. So Goalie had absolutely no chance. It was a, I'm not going to say a piss missile because that's usually how we call goals when it comes to UFCO, but this time it was a wonderfully worked wrister. It wasn't a crazy fast slap shot or anything like that, but it was a wonderful goal, regardless of the name you want to attribute to it. Yeah. We're still looking for that first piss missile of the year, but of course um, that was a really pretty goal. Um, We didn't even get to celebrate it for all too long because less than a minute later, um, kind of a mad scrum in front of the UMass net. Um, might've looked like goaltender interference, but the puck found a way in the back of the net. They took a look at it. Uh, they said that it wasn't goaltender interference. So that, uh, that tied it up very shortly after Upco's goal. Yeah. I mean, when we were watching this one live. We were wondering how the hell does this sneak in? Well, we have literally a guy draped over Pavisic, you know, and it was a Merrimack player that was just literally draped over. He looked like a cape. Like Pavisic was kind of playing like a superhero up until this point. And then we have a Merrimack player being a cape form. It was a little weird, but yeah, I think it was due to the fact that Moro cross-checked him into Pavisic. That's what a lot of people on Twitter were saying. And now that I'm looking at the replay, it makes a bit of sense. The goal should have counted in retrospect and, and ended up counting. So I think they got the call right um, realistically. But yeah, when you look at that goal live, that was a weird one. You know, you see basically Pavisic flopping around like a swordfish, you know what I mean? Like trying to figure out where the puck's at. And you got three Merrimack players on top of him. It was a little bit of a weird scene to look at from the crowd, but yeah, they got the call, right? I mean, it was just one of those weird goals where, you know, as a defenseman, you're trying to kind of crash the net and try and, you know, scoop pucks away whenever possible. And sometimes you got to move guys out of the way to get to those areas. But if you push those guys into your goal, you're going to have a bad time. So it's really a crappy way to kind of tie up the game when, you know, we finally get a breakthrough after Merrimack was playing very solid defense on us, because that was kind of a hallmark of, what they were doing all weekend, you know, against UMass, they were playing very, very tough defense, trying to limit quality chances whenever possible, which was frankly why we were getting outshot the way that we were across both games. You know, they were kind of shooting them from almost everywhere. You know, they were trying to get face-offs and stuff like that. So we were more or less trying to, you know, pick more high quality looks and score that way, but they were plugging up the neutral zone. They were making sure our defensemen couldn't get shots off. They were, they had a game plan. And they executed the game plan very well, which at the end of the day is why they got three points this weekend. But yeah, it was, this this goal in particular was kind of another another throat punch to us. You know what I mean? Like you know, you think you have the the lead, you think you're you're looking good going towards the end of the game, and then it just gets ripped away from you as as soon as you got it, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, UMass was looking a little bit better here um, in the third period. They ended up um, out shooting and. Uh, winning more face-offs than Merrimack, which was nice to see after losing both those battles in the first two periods. But this game does go into overtime at 2-2. Two to two. 
And just as a little refresher for um, for listeners who may not know, this year in Hockey East, when a game goes to overtime, you can no longer win three win three points towards the Hockey East standings. If you win in overtime, you get two points. If you lose in overtime, you get one point. Um, that includes shootouts as well. If you win in the shootout, you get two points. Lose, you get one point. Um, and for the records, if you are to win it in OT, uh, it's either like a normal win or loss on your record. Or if you win in, or lose in the shootout, it counts as a tie on the record. So that's just a little, little housekeeping there. Um, yet again, it's three on three. So uh, kind of Evan and I really don't like it. The kind of you just play for possession more than you play for good scoring chances. You really just want to keep that puck. Um, luckily for us, we didn't have to watch too much of it. Just about a minute in. Uh, Taylor Bacar skates in and buries one five hole to, to get UMass the dub three to two. Yeah, I don't want to go off on a complete tangent talking about three on three overtime, but just as like a quick aside, the, the thing that really sucks about it and the thing that ultimately led to this goal was the fact that you're basically just holding on to the puck, praying that the other team makes a defensive mistake and then you capitalizes on it. Like that's what happened on this goal. I think it was Ufko that had the puck or it might have been Morrow. I don't remember exactly. It was Ufko. It was Ufko. Okay, yep. I thought it was Ufko, but I wanted to make sure. He had the puck basically near our, or the opposing team's bench and kind of wanted to circle back to, I guess, recycle possession again and try and get a, a fresh look up ice. And two guys pinched up on him, which that, you know, if, you, if you're doing the math at home, everybody, to three on three, two guys pinch up, that means you got a two on one the other way if you pass the puck. He did that, worked out beautifully. He finds Taylor McCarr skating up the right wing, could have passed it over to I'm trying to figure out who it was on that play. Connors. Looks like Connors. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, obviously that's a dangerous guy to pass to. So Merrimack's looking the other way saying we got to protect, Con- you know, we got to cover Connors whenever humanly possible. You know, if you look at last weekend, I'm pretty sure Taylor McCarr had a very similar goal where he's skating up the right wing and he nips it. You know, I think it was far side on the other goal, but on this goal, I think he goes five hole on, on Olas and goes in you know that's how you get the overtime winner in these games and it was a wonderfully worked goal you know that in the grand scheme of things was due to a Merrimack screw up you know and that's I don't want to say the beauty of three on three overtime because it's not beautiful at all it's pretty damn boring until you until you see a a player screw up like that so I don't know I'm not a massive fan of it I know some people in the UMass Twitter community are also not fans of it but that's the rule, and we got to do whatever the hell we got to do to get the points at the end of the day. And this time, those points came in the form of a Taylor McCarr five-hole nip. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we saw um, last season the Hockey East regular season championship came down to the last game. So, like, every point like that really does matter, the difference between getting three in regulation or getting two or one in overtime. It's a big deal. So, um, definitely got um, <laughs> to gotta play well in those three-on-three situations. But yeah, this is um, really awesome for Taylor McCarr. It's his third goal of the year, I believe. So um, he's just showing us a different level of hockey lately, which is really fun to see. And then another note, this was actually UMass Hockey's best start to the season since 1971 and 72, uh, 5-0-1 after this game concluded. So uh, really just don't take for granted what we're seeing. We're seeing an awesome brand of hockey so far to start this year when we didn't really know if we'd get that fully uh, before the season started. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a very, very solid start to the season. Like, I kind of showed my disdain for this weekend at the beginning of the episode. But, I mean, you, you, you got to look at things in a more realistic lens. There's no way we're going to win every game this season. But 
just, you know, and obviously we're going to talk about the, the next game very soon, but the second game sucked, man. You know what I mean? Like we were out there in Merrimack. We, you know, if, I don't want to get into story time yet. We can probably talk about it a little bit when we talk about the next, the next game, but we were public enemies, number one and two in that arena. And they were, they were giving it to us. You know what I mean? Like the student section was definitely making us hear it. And all I had to say was scoreboard, you know, they, all they had to do was look at the game, you know, the score of last game and that both shut them up and enraged them even more. So, you know, I was feeling good going into that second game and for it to, to end the way that it did really sucks, but you know, it's, that's that's just the way hockey's goes. You know, again, we're not going to win every game, but we got to we got to do everything that we can and just keep supporting this team at the end of the day. You know, what I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah, if you guys can't tell, Evan's pretty upset about tonight's game. Uh, yeah, it's that's like the third time you've brought the game one uh, into game two conversation. So I, know. I guess we'll just switch over to game. We, two we should. Yeah, and start going over that and then we can talk about the series as a whole. So uh, game two uh, in North Andover, it's at Lawler Arena. Um, If you guys don't know, this is probably, uh, I guess we won't reveal too much, but we'll have our arena review on it coming up next week. But this is not a great place to watch a hockey game. Um, It's not a great place for UMass to play at. Um, Historically, it's always a a tricky place to come in. The roof's really low. uh, Good six or seven times the puck hit the roof today. Um, It's really cold in there. It's just... Uh, not up to the caliber that most of the hockey East rinks are, but, uh, yeah, it's always a challenge for UMass coming in. Um, and I thought they looked pretty decent, at least coming into today. Um, there was no scoring in the first period, but, uh, UMass seemed pretty solid, still pretty evident that Merrimack has a really good plan to kind of limit those big scoring chances, but, um, felt like it was pretty evenly paced first period. Yeah, no, I mean, I think... It was it was a pretty solid first period, all things considered. Um, we had a couple of pretty early on scoring chances. Um, we had, a, I think it was one pretty big cross crease opportunity that I think went to Lautenbach that might have got Correct. saved. Correct. And, you know, that was that sucked. You know what I mean? Like that that again, knowing that Merrimack has a very clear plan on how they want to defend us and we were finally able to kind of break that down and create a very high, high scoring chance opportunity to have that get, get, get stopped by Olas was, you know, it was tough to swallow. You know, I think that's, that's one of those goals that, you know, you kind of want to have back at the end of the day. Um, there was a couple of more instances like that throughout the game where I think we had pretty, pretty solid, you know, cross crease opportunities off the rush and everything like that. And, just their goalie was on top of his game tonight. You know, I don't think he faced that many shots in the grand scheme of things, but the shots that he did face, he, he saw them very well and he was square to the puck at almost every given opportunity. So fair play to him. But um, yeah, the first period was pretty tough. You know, I think it was fairly even. I think we did end up getting outshot that period, but it wasn't really. Yeah, but it wasn't really like a case of feeling like we were in any massive danger. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think Brady was playing very well. I don't think the majority of their scoring chances came until the second period. I think the first period was pretty tame, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I think the first period was a pretty even period. But obviously, as we'll talk about in the second period, we did finally break through. Yeah, uh, Mary McLean in the shots department in that period but like Evan said it it felt a little bit closer than that uh Merrimack didn't really get too many high quality chances we moved to the second period 
Um, kind of more of the same, just a pretty good defensive play back and forth until uh, three minutes into the period, we get Reed Lebster who, uh, who blocks a shot, takes the puck up through a couple of defensemen and scores on the breakaway. Just a really, really pretty fun goal. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that it was kind of against the run of play because I don't really think it was, but this was one of those scoring opportunities that kind of just came out of nowhere. Like, you really don't plan for this type of stuff where, you know, you block a shot and then you just turn on the Jets going the other way. You know, that's that's not really a thing that happens all too often. But sometimes the goals that you don't plan are obviously the best ones. You know, you want to be able to have that speed and that skill to find yourself in on a breakaway at a moment's notice and then score a very lovely forehanded wrister glove side on Olas. You know, he he picked his, his shot there and, you know, just he knew where he was going to put it from the very beginning. He didn't, it didn't look like he was overthinking it. He just said, I'm going to test the goalie's glove side, see if he makes the windmill save. And he didn't. And it was a great goal. Yeah. And as this period goes on um, a little bit more of the same, we see, we start seeing um, some better saves from Cole Brady who um, really looked good tonight. Um, some definitely some definite highlight real saves for sure uh, throughout the second and third period. And that's how the second period ended one, nothing UMass. And it was again, more of the same in the third, um, except we noticed as the period went on, just increasing pressure from Merrimack. I think they ended the period um, leading in shots 15 to five uh, specifically for the period. So that kind of shows how, how much they were really trying to get that equalizer in. And it took up until 30 seconds left in the game. And they, uh, with the goalie pulled, were finally able to push one through um, kind of a tough angle shot, but a really, really nice wrist shot on the, on the man advantage. And that tied it up and, um, it was all downhill from there. It really, it really seemed inevitable at that point that they were going to break through just with the, the onslaught of shots that they had going. Yeah. I mean, even leading up to this, it was a little bit nerve wracking, at least for me as a fan to kind of see how much Merrimack was clawing their way back into it. I feel like throughout basically ever since we scored that first goal, um, you know, even through the second period leading into the third, they were getting a lot of scoring chances. Like I remember, immediately one that comes to mind was it was a two-on-one but it was really only like a one-on-one like basically it was just Bollinger defending the guy that was in on the rush I forget which Merrimack player it was off the top of my head and then you just kind of see Bollinger drift off to the side to cover what would have been a pass but there was nobody to pass to so yeah, he basically he kind of just waltzed out of the way and said all right here's your free shot Merrimack player enjoy pal and at that point, I was starting to get kind of nervous. You know, like it required a 10 bell save from, from Cole Brady. He went blocker side on him and just completely stuck out the blocker and matched it perfectly, you know, on the far post. I thought it was an amazing save, very athletic save, but it also required really solid positioning on Cole Brady's part. But that that whole momentum, like that was the big momentum shift for me was seeing that. And then it just kind of seemed like the defense was kind of devolving from there, you know, like throughout the third period, they were getting a lot of very solid opportunities, really good zone time. And then the moment, you know, me and you were talking about it during the game. It was interesting that they pulled the goalie so late because it, the thing that was going through my head was most of our goals against the season have been on six on fives. You know, that happened in the Denver game. You know, they had two six on five goals and they pulled the tendy um, in that first game against Denver. And we had a very similar situation against Merrimack tonight. Um, it was just, I don't want to say that I felt it coming, but I kind of did 
because we just could not get the puck out of our zone to save our lives. You know, we were just trying to absorb the pressure. And in my mind, I don't want to say that I called it, but like I was kind of thinking like this game's either going to end one nothing or two one. You know, and I'm talking about for Merrimack. Like, it, I feel like if we get if if it gets tied up, I genuinely didn't think we would win it. You know, that might sound like doomer. You know, like wicked sad. You know, Evan, how can you give up on the team like that? But that was just the way the momentum was going. Realistically, you know, we you can't absorb pressure for that much time and not feel the after effects of it throughout the the overtime period. You know, you can't just play to survive and then the moment that you don't survive to the end of that period. You can't just immediately change your mentality to now we got to push forward and get a goal. You know, that just, I haven't seen it happen all that often. So I wasn't feeling very good about our chances at that point, but yeah, in a, in a season with not many negative aspects of it, this is definitely one of them. You mentioned in that Denver series, giving up a few goals uh, when the other team has their goalie pulled, not sure exactly where to pinpoint it with this team. They might dig their heels in a little too much and not even think about, getting that puck down the ice icing it or or getting um a breakout pass something like that it's just uh it's been a problem so far in more than one instance so um definitely something to keep note of and like you said once that goal came it seemed like um that was kind of the final nail in the coffin we move into overtime and UMass had possession in overtime for a solid two two and a half minutes to start um they didn't give the puck up once uh, that also means they didn't really have a good shot once. They kind of were just passing around, um, entering and leaving the zone um, as they went. Uh, and then Merrimack got possession. It didn't take too long for uh, them to get a really good chance uh, and a goal. It was assisted by Slava Demin, uh, the guy who was <sighs> on the Minutemen last year. Uh, he's caught a lot of strays in our show, and I think rightfully so for the way that he played on the Minutemen. But, uh, yeah, he gets the primary assist there, which adds – just makes it a little bit worse, and that's that's how this one ends, 2-1 to one Merrimack in a game that if UMass could have stuck it out for 30 more seconds, they would add no points, but they go home with two. So definitely disappointing for sure. Yeah, it hurts. I mean, just I'm rewatching the goal right now, and it looks like – I don't want to blame Taylor McCarr on this one because he's he's a forward, and he's trying to play defense while backskating. It's not something that he usually does, you know what I mean? And the guy was kind of coming with a full head of steam once he was cutting across the blue line to enter the zone, you know. McCarr simply just got beat. It seems like McCarr is more of a guy of more top-end speed rather than acceleration. I feel like he doesn't really get to top speed extremely quickly. He's more of a, once he gets going, you're not stopping that guy. And that kind of happened on this goal. You know, he just gets beat around the outside. And then the other defenseman, I think it was Morrow on the play, wasn't able to kind of cover his slack and drift back towards the front of the net to try and pick the puck out. And he, he, when, when you let a guy with a full head of steam completely cut across the whole net like that, you're you're not setting yourself up. You know, you're not doing yourself any favors to try and play successful defense that way. Cole Brady's a big dude. You know, he's six foot six, six foot five, whatever he is. It doesn't matter how much this dude spreads his legs in the middle of the net covering post to post like that, trying to move laterally is a very tough thing to do, especially when you're going from side to side like that. It's, it's not, not a good position to be in as a goaltender. So we, we really kind of left him out to dry on that goal. I feel like that was just a really unfortunate circumstance. And Mm -hmm. again, it's just the cap off to the ultimate punch to the nuts. You know what I mean? Like it, 
that sucked. You know, when, when they tied the game, you're hearing all credit to Merrimack. They filled out the very small arena that they have pretty well. So it was, it was getting pretty rowdy in there. And I'm going to admit it. I was a little rattled, you know, like hearing everybody, hearing everybody scream that, that kind of hurt a little bit, you know, like knowing that we were 30 seconds away, really, really stung, you know, and, kind of makes me think like when I go to away arenas like that and I'm, and I'm cheering on it, you know, like UMass and everything, and I'm, you know, screaming and yelling and doing my thing. Like I, you know, like you see me doing the vlogs and stuff. I think about all those Merrimack fans that were screaming and I'm sitting there in utter despair wanting to die. And, you know, I think, is that how I sound? You know, like that's, that's really me. Like, am I the asshole here? Like, you know, it's crazy. Like, I don't know. It just, it was just, it was a, one of those really weird reflection moments for me, like, and that was probably at the worst possible time. Like, I don't know if I'm going through, what is it? The the five stages, seven stages, how many stages of grief there are. I don't know. <laughs> um, this is not a moment for me to remember, you know, 11th grade English class or whatever, but you get the idea, you know, it was just really tough pill to swallow, you know, especially at that moment when again, you, you think you're getting three points, you know, and, it's just the way that that happened, you know, 30 seconds left. And then, you know, there's like a minute and a half left in overtime after we had the puck for literally three, three out of the four minutes of overtime. And then we give it away. And then they just literally walk it into the paint and just, you know, tuck it far side. That's just, uh, it sucks, but it is what it is. You know, I think at this point, this, this is the, uh, I'm, I'm after the denial. Now I'm at the acceptance stage and I'm just going to kind of try and move on and look forward to Providence. But yeah, this this was a tough series overall, as it was expected. Like we, I feel like we mentioned that in the preview episode for the series. So I can't say that I'm too surprised, but a loss is a loss, and it's going to hurt all the same for me. Yeah, um, you guys might not have picked up on it from last year. We started in the the tail end of last season and the playoffs. You might not have picked up on it, but uh, for every game, Evan's emotions run really hot. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, he's, any regular season game we go to, he's always talks about how nervous he is and stuff. So his his emotions ride heavily on these games. So definitely don't take his uh his doomer attitude fully. Uh, it's not the end of the world that they lost this game at Merrimack like this. Oh, Obviously, it does hurt. I agree that it it is a kick in the nuts to, yeah. to lose a game like this, but uh, not the not the end of the world type situation. Like just to, just to put it into perspective for the fans that don't like, I bought a Fitbit a couple months ago, and I literally like my wrist was buzzing during the game because the because my heart rate was so high because I was like so nervous towards the end of the game that we were gonna get scored on. It, the the Fitbit literally thought I was exercising. Like that's that's a little ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like that's something that I really can't physically just control. You know, like. I'm going to get a little bit emotional. These things happen. That's what happens when you're watching a team that you really enjoy. You know, I'm obviously my, my overall emotions are not completely hinging on the success of UMass hockey, but it, it certainly helps. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this, this is how I like to spend my weekends. So it's definitely something to look forward to after a, a long work week. You know what I mean? So it's, it's going to be something that I take seriously. And that's why I do this podcast. That's why I love doing this type of stuff. Cause I love UMass hockey at the end of the day, but I got to I got to take a step back sometimes and realize we're not winning them all, but I definitely believe in this team that they're going to, you know, really take a step back, look at everything and they're going to bounce back and get some victories against Providence this next weekend. Yeah, and he'll he'll be totally fine oh, uh, t- tomorrow morning. It's just we're recording this the the night of the game, so emotions are still running a little hot here. Yeah. Um I don't I don't want to make it sound like I'm not upset about this either. Like this is pretty tough. 
Um, I wanted to get into into this because we have our our daily quote from Coach Carvel after the game. He has a quote that the hockey team posts on Twitter. This time he says, Cole Brady was outstanding as far as I'm concerned, and I thought we actually played well enough to win a game here, but the puck bounced the other way tonight. And in my opinion, I this is the quote from him that I disagree with the most since we started this season. Um, to say that the puck bounced the other way and that's like why you lost, I don't know. I If you look at the score sheet, UMass was outshot 34-19. to 19. Um, really not much to speak of for high quality shots outside of that first period cross crease that you mentioned. Um, and obviously Lebster's breakaway, but I, I feel like more credit needs to be given to Merrimack and how, how well they're able to play UMass just the last couple of years is pretty impressive to me. And I, uh, I thought we would have been pretty lucky to win this game one, nothing if that's how it finished. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I think, you know, I completely agree with the part that Cole Brady played his ass off. There's no yes. there's no way around yes. that. I mean, that's obvious. I think he may have earned himself consideration for playing next weekend. I, I think that's fully plausible. I think he came up big when it mattered, and I think – I don't want to say he let us down because I don't think that's the case at all. I think it was just – at the very end of the game, especially again, it's that dreaded six on five scenario. I don't understand how the hell our penalty kill is so nice. And then the moment that you had one player to both teams, it just completely goes to crap. I don't, I don't understand. Like, is it more people to pass to and just, we can't cover them all. I, I don't understand what it is, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's something about the whole puck bouncing thing. Like, I feel like you don't, you don't let a team dominate possession for the last five minutes of the game. You know, that makes sense. The whole 55 minutes of, of fair play. I, I agree with that to an extent, you know, I think we were completely getting destroyed in the last five minutes of that third period, but I still feel like Merrimack. I don't know if it was out game planning us or just outworked us. I don't know what it is, but something happened whenever we play against Merrimack to where, I don't, I don't know if it's us playing worse or they just are playing better. I genuinely do not know. But every single game, I think we said the stat before, before uh, on the preview episode, I think it was like 12 out of the last 14 games or something crazy like that were all one-goal games. They either went to OT or they finished in regulation within one goal. Like, it's ridiculous. You know, like, that's not right. Where we can completely destroy teams like Providence and BU, you know, like, we'll – you know, we beat Northeastern last year, the year before that was five, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like we can completely decimate the quote unquote top ranked teams in, in hockey East. And then you take what's normally been a pretty middling hockey East team for the past five years, all things considered. They had a really good season last year, but other than that, they were in the bottom half of the, of the standings for the most part. And it's just, we can't seem to crack the code. Like it's super perplexing to me, but yeah, I don't know how much how much farther we want to go into the conversation or not. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how this team bounces back and how they play uh, a different opponent. We'll have Providence next weekend, who I believe is nationally ranked right now, so should be another solid test. And we'll see. It might just be a case of Merrimack just having UMass's number uh, just a little bit, not to the point where they beat them every time, but just that they play them close every game. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely a, a pattern that can't go unnoticed. Definitely. Sure. All right. So I guess we can now jump into our awards. 
the first award that we like to give out is the CCC Carvel's Character and Compete Award. Um, not just the player of the game, but the guy who plays the hardest, the guy who shows the most character on the ice. And this week, we are going to give it to Taylor McCarr. He, in, bo- in our eyes, played great both games, uh, flying around the ice out there. It was really fun to see. He had the overtime game-winning goal, which was awesome. And he's just playing at a whole new level this year compared to what we saw from him last season. Yeah, I mean, to me, he, he gives off the the same kind of vibes that I got from Jerry Harding last year. And to an extent this year, I think Harding's been doing his thing. But I just think he's shown more of a scoring touch this year. I think that's kind of like the upgrade that he has. You know, I think he's still playing very scary, you know, like Jerry Harding. You know, he flies around the ice insane work ethic really good back check he's just really starting to put all of his skills together you know like we saw last year he has hands you know he's definitely shown the ability to you know create his own space and make moves to enter the zone in a pretty fashion you know he definitely has the ability and last year it just kind of seemed like he couldn't put it all together consistently enough to crack the starting lineup and now he has you know, he's getting his chance and I think he's flourishing. You know, we we're he's still giving off the the ability that he had showing flashes of, you know, last year. And I think he's starting to do it a lot more consistently. And I don't think Carville ever wanted to put you know take him out of the lineup last year. He's a very likable dude. Everybody rallies around him, everybody loves him, but he just didn't have it last year. Now he definitely has it. I don't know if it was something that happened in the offseason, if he was training extra hard, if Kale was showing him some stuff that he's incorporating into his game now. I have no idea. But whatever the hell he figured out over the offseason, it's been working because he just so much speed, so much skill, and he can throw the body around like you wouldn't believe either. You know, I feel like he's he's starting to become a more complete player. I think he's really starting, you know, like he showed a beautiful assist, you know, on on Lautenbach on the in the first game. That was unbelievable how he's able to just drive into the zone go behind the net basically stick with the guy to grab the puck and then dish it right into the slot to find Lautenbach that's insane that's textbook you know Carvel type play that's what you want from your players and I'm, I'm hoping that it continues because if that happens he'll easily be considered the most improved player in my opinion and he's going to be such a huge contributor to this team going forward yeah one thing that I noticed um, from tonight's game the road game he throws himself into the corner. Like I didn't see him play with as much speed and like tenacity last year. That's a big thing that stands out for me is he's really throwing the body and playing recklessly in those corners, which I love to see just that all out effort. It worries me too, honestly, though, because I don't want him to hurt himself. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I don't want to throw around the term reckless, but that that could be the term sometimes, you know, he definitely, he, he throws himself into the corners, like you were saying. You know, like I remember there was one there was one specific play. He was moving up the left wing, and this was at the away game at Merrimack. And he does like this weird spin move. He looked like a defensive lineman in football. Like he was like rip, using rip moves and all this crazy stuff. He was looking like a lineman. Spins around one guy and literally like whacks his arm against the board on the backswing of the, of the spin. Like I'm sitting here thinking this dude's going to dislocate his elbow in the middle of the play just trying to get to the puck. Like he's not even near the puck in this case. It's insane to me. So I I sometimes do fear for his safety just for his own sake. But 
if, if he knows what he's doing, I'm putting my full faith in him because it's his body at the end of the day. You know what I mean? If he wants yeah. to throw himself out there for that UMass patch on the front of his jersey, I couldn't think of a better way to go out. But I <laughs> really hope that he's doing what's best for himself. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's not going to be effective for us if he's riding the bench because he's injured. You know, he yeah. just you got to stay healthy at the end of the day. Luckily, hasn't been an issue this far. I'm just hoping it doesn't develop into anything. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one final note on him. It's like he – it's like he got to touch that Stanley Cup with his brother Kale, and he's just shifted into a new gear since then. So, I've been th- uh, I've been thinking they put steroids in the Slurpee that he drank out of there. You know? <laughs> I think that might have happened. Possibly, but uh, yeah, that's our CCC. Uh, Taylor McCarr, very deserving this week. He played awesome. All right, so the next award that we give out is the Good Try UMass Award. The guy that we think uh, can have a little bit better showing next time, next game out on the ice. This one was a little bit tough because nobody really stuck out as playing bad. Um, both games close, obviously. Not too many mistakes on either side. Um, so the guy that we're going with is Aaron Bollinger. Um, and just having watched both games, it seems like uh, he might be a bit rusty from his injury to start the year. Um, it's a couple missed passes, a couple... Um, little situations here and there that uh, might need to be ironed out with a little more game experience. Uh, nothing too major that we noticed, just kind of little things. Um, and he was uh, a minus two on the weekend as well. Um, that's the lowest, tied for the lowest on the team. So um, kind of a, kind of a reach, but that's that's who we decided to give it to for this weekend. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call this award being 100% his fault. It's just like I said, I think on that on that one goal from the home game, I think it redirected off his ankle, you know what I mean? And it was I think the puck was going to go wide. Like granted, these things all happen so fast, it's kind of tough to do the mental calculations to figure out, oh, well if it hits off my leg at this trajectory, then it might go five hole on the goalie. Like it's it's a tough thing to try and figure out in the in the heat of the game, but even, you know, like it it kind of also stems back to like what I mentioned in the away game, like it's it's kind of it's a phantom two on one all you got to do is close down the guy with the puck you know all you got to do is make his life difficult and he won't be able to get a clean shot off and instead he just drifts off to the side to absolutely nowhere like we had two other guys back checking to try and cover the 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 other alleged second offensive guy that could get a pass but he wasn't there. there he was hanging around by the blue line you know like he was taking a sweet time thinking okay I'm just going to let my guy do his thing with the puck and maybe he gets in on a breakaway or whatever. And it, it, he looked like a, one of those, uh, those bullfighters with like a little cape and a little red cape. He just goes <laughs> like, Ole, you know, like, like go by me. You know what I mean? Like enjoy. And I don't know. I, I don't want to rag on him too much. You know, he, he's a great dude. You know, he is our most experienced defenseman at the end of the day. You know, like we were literally talking to his dad before the game, you know, huge, huge friend of the pod, love, love everybody associated with Aaron Bollinger, but it's just, just a couple of mental lapses, you know what I mean? They just have to get ironed out at the end of the day. I think, you know, one, once you kind of work on those, and again, it kind of comes with a little bit more game experience. I just think it's, he's probably had a tough time rehabbing from injury or something like that. Pure speculation, you know what I mean? Who knows what could be the case with him right now, but that's just something that we've noticed. And I figured it's probably out of anybody, it's probably the most deserving of the award this week after after this weekend's games. Yeah, it's not anything drastic. We've given some drastic good try awards before <laughs> Slava Demin, but um, yeah, it's nothing to be too concerned about. I think it, I genuinely think it's just a little bit of rust from the injury that uh, more game experience will iron out. So uh, we're not concerned in the slightest. 
All right. And then finally, we go to our custom awards. We are each doing a custom award. And I guess I guess I'll go first. Um, so my award is going to be called 99 Bunt. So when you play video games, you have players have all these stats that go up to 99. Um, if you're playing a baseball video game, you have the bunting stat. Um, that goes up to 99. And very similar to a bunt is what we saw Ryan Lautenbach do to save a potential breakaway chance for Merrimack tonight. Um, just a saucer pass in the neutral zone. He sticks his, uh, his stick out like a bunt and knocks it down, which very likely would have been a breakaway opportunity. So incredible hand-eye coordination there. And it's just another opportunity for us to talk about the weekend that Lautenbach had because he was all over the place and he played fantastic yet again. Seems like he always does. Yeah, no, he, he again, was very similar to kind of the, the Macars and the Hardings that we like to talk about on the pod because just a lot of speed, the willingness to throw the body and just make a really big physical play. Like, he's not the biggest dude on the team. You know, I think we can all recognize that, but his ability to just go after whoever and just not care about who's in front of him, he'll just go at you no matter what. Kind of reminds me of Bobby Trevino in a lot of ways. I think I kind of drew that comparison to him last year just as a, you know, guy to, that I think will improve a lot. And he could kind of fit into that small guy, big heart type of role, you know, that it seems like every good team always has a player like that. And, you know, he was showing off very, very solid hand-eye. You know, he was doing really good job, you know, corralling pucks to, you know, make a smart player, take a really good shot. And this time on the defensive end shows insane hand-eye to potentially take away a goal from the other team. Cause that puck got through, that would have been a pretty easy breakaway chance going the other way. So sometimes you need your forwards to chip in on defense as well. And he was there to plug up the neutral zone and he did it very well uh, tonight. Yeah. He did a lot of things very well tonight. And uh, we're so impressed with this game. I feel like we talk about him in some capacity, every, every recap. So um, just totally impressed with what he's doing for sure. hundred percent. All right. And what is your custom award going to be? So it's kind of kind of bittersweet because he was the only goal scorer of this game, but it just, I thought it was a pretty nice goal. And I think it would be a good time to, to get this sort of reference out of the way. Cause I feel like there would be other opportunities in the future to make the same reference, but I feel like tonight's a good time to just say it anyway. So I'm calling this the Moses award because Reed Webster picks up the puck and just straight up parts the blue sea and just splits the D men with, the most insane skating ability I've seen since probably Kale McCart. Like he literally just gets up the top speed within about two and a half strides, just blast past both def defensemen on that. One of them might've been Slava. I don't remember. Kind of hope it was because not, not really on that dude's good list right now. I'm not really a big fan of Slava Demin, as we all know from the pod, but um, yeah, just the speed on that to just split the D in half like that and just, part that C was just insane to me. I think, you know, and even the finish too, like the finish was top class, you know, it didn't require any sort of crazy got to go forehand, got to go backhand, got to fake up the goalie. It's just, you're one-on-one -on -one with the goalie, get your shot off, force the goalie to make a good save. And that time Hugo Olas didn't. Olas admittedly had some pretty solid saves this weekend. And that was his ability, you know, that was kind of his chance to really put his stamp on the game and he didn't do it. You know, that was just a great play by, by Reed Lester to kind of just really take advantage of a almost nothing opportunity at the end of the day. You know, you don't draw up goals like that. 
your 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 main thing when when the team is set up in the ozone like that is to just block the shot at all costs and then worry about what happens later he blocked the shot and then managed to set himself up with a perfect scoring chance because of his elite skating so very happy to read Lebster for that one um and yeah he was looking looking like Moses out there because I'm not sure when we'll be able to kind of make that sort of reference ever again because the ability to split the D on that on that play was just absolutely uncanny yeah, it was, and he he was a factor in more than just this sense, at least in this game. Um, got in the passing lanes a lot, um, which was nice to see, and he's had a really solid start to the season. That was his third goal already. Um, obviously, we were really counting on him to get on the score sheet a lot after the departures from last year, and he's lived up to the bill. He's he's doing the thing out there on the, that first line and just playing really well, so love to give him some credit where it's due right there. Yeah, shout out to me for uh, pegging him as the top forward this season. I, yeah. I think in, my, in the preseason predictions video. So I'm patting myself on the back a little bit for that one, hoping that uh, it continues because I always want to look correct. You know what I mean? When I make a prediction, I obviously want it to be correct. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how it shakes out for the rest of the season. But I'm feeling pretty good so far with my picks, I got to say. Yeah, there you go. So uh, just a couple more little things that I wanted to touch on before we go. Um some of the lineup notes, uh, Cal Keefuke, we saw he got hurt last weekend. He didn't play on Friday. He was tabbed as the extra skater uh, for Saturday's game, but he did not hit the ice at all. He didn't get any minutes. So um, kind of on the mend there. So we'll see what kind of playtime he gets next week against Providence. And then another note, uh, the goalie situation I just wanted to touch on. Um, I don't know if we really mentioned it before, but Luke Pavisic has been the starter. He got game one. He played really solidly. Um, and then Cole Brady got game two. Who He also played uh, a very solid brand of goaltending. So both of these guys who were question marks going in are looking really good. And um, I don't know, I don't know if you, how you feel about it. Do you think it sets up kind of a, um, a question on who who's the guy are we are we moving closer to more of a 50 50 net split like what, what are we thinking about that I'm, I'm thinking I mean we kind of said at the beginning of the season like I, I feel like we shouldn't be too surprised as to what's kind of happened with the goalie situation so far like we were always kind of leaning 1a 1b and I think it was more or less just a matter of who we thought would win the job at the end of the day to kind of start moving forward that initially was Pavisic I feel like it's shifted more towards you know, you don't really want to lean one way or the other. If I'm Carville, and clearly I'm not because I wouldn't be doing a podcast right now, I'd be leading the team. But if I was Carville, I would probably lean Brady next game just because I think, I mean, he had better stats this weekend at the end of the day. You know, with 30 seconds left, he was pitching a shutout. And he up until literally 30 seconds left in that third period, we were going on I got to do some mental math here. 119 and a half minutes of shutout hockey. Like that's ridiculous. When you say that out loud, you know, this is coming from a dude that has never had a collegiate shutout in his career at, at Arizona state, at least to my knowledge. I think I saw a graphic that said that earlier in the week, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. I believe somebody probably will. Yeah, I figured. Um, but to put up those numbers on a new team, you know, where you're playing, I'm assuming a different defensive style, you know what I mean? Because if that wasn't the case, I feel like he wouldn't be putting up the numbers that he is, you know, he's, he's been, he's been lights out so far, especially when, you know, nobody really knew what the hell we were getting ourselves into with him. You know, he's, 
I'm not really sure how you can say that someone overperforms expectations when you weren't really sure what the initial expectation was. But regardless of that, I think he's been playing super good, you know, early on this season. I think he's earned himself another start. You know, he played better straight up, in my opinion, this weekend. You know, that's no knock to Pavisic. He had himself some amazing saves, but you know, I just think for the overall volume of shots and the ability to keep us in the game, I think Brady did more this weekend. And that's, again, no slight to Pavisic because all he can do is save the shots that are in front of him. One of the goals against, dude was literally on the floor with two guys draped over him. You know what I mean? That's, he can't do anything about that. I get that. But, you know, I feel like Brady had more high quality chances against him just purely via the eye test this weekend. You know, I could be completely misremembering some crazy saves that Pavisic had, but I, I think, I think Cole Brady played better and I think he deserves another starting nod. Yeah. I can easily see them doing the same um, next weekend, giving each guy a start. Yeah. Just uh, you want to get, you want to get a bigger volume of stats to look at. And when you're this early in the season, you want that, um, decision to kind of make itself as time goes along. And if you're yep. playing one guy the whole time, that um, really isn't going to pan out. You're not going to know what you have on the bench. Um, and it's going to create even bigger question marks if, uh, worst case scenario, one of these guys gets hurt. So I totally agree with starting uh, one, like each guy uh, in each game. So like splitting it for a weekend, I don't think that's a problem at all. Um, one thing, I uh, I was just trying to look up these goaltender numbers on the box scores. I don't know if anybody out there might have any explanation, but uh, they list three stars to the game for each game. I don't know who picks that, but uh, for the first game, the third star was Hugo uh, Ulis, the goalie for Merrimack, and he only had 16 saves and he gave up three goals. And I just wanted to point that out because that is confusing as hell to me. And I don't know who, who made that decision. What, this but, is for the, for, this is for game one. Yeah. The game one. Uh, who the Fox hell were the other two stars? Uh, Taylor McCarr was number one. Ryan Ufko was number two. You don't, you don't. So <laughs> wait a second. Time out. Time out. Hold up. Wait a second. So you're telling me, and this is just off the top of my head. You're telling me that Hugo Olas is over Luke Pavisic, the yep. winning goalie. Who, who had more had saves, more saves and less goals against. Yes. And then also Ryan Lautenbach, who had the original like opening goal for the team. Yes. You, you don't even give it to. I need, I need an explanation for this. I, part of me wants to think that this is like a typo. Like, I feel like whoever was checking the boxes to like fill in, you know, first, second and third star, they were supposed to put in UMass goalie and instead put Merrimack goalie. Like, that genuinely doesn't seem right to me. Like if that isn't the most participation award thing I have ever seen in my <laughs> entire life, I don't know what is like that makes zero sense to me. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Hugo Olis also the number two star for Saturday's game. So maybe, maybe it's uh Hugo Olis's dad. That's making the box scores for these. There, there must be dude. something is wrong with that. Like I, like second game, fair enough, I guess. You know what I mean? Like one goal against on like 20 shots or something like that. 19, Eight, 18 saves. Yeah. So 19 shots against yeah. like, that's, that's decent. You know what I mean? That's one goal against fair enough, but you tell me he had 32, 32 saves and looked phenomenal. He that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, 
I mean, if anybody has any insight on how these three stars get picked, let us know because that is ridiculous. Yeah, I got to get on that voting committee committee and figure out who the hell's voting for this stuff yeah. because that is just not right. But I don't know. That it, I guess we sound a little salty after what happened this weekend, <laughs> but still, I mean, that just does not seem right in the slightest. Come, come to us if you want to hear how these games went. Don't go to these box scores. They don't know. Yeah, honestly. Going. Yeah, literally just think the, the three stars should be – the number one star should be the CCC. <laughs> the number two star should be the good, tri- the good try. You asked like we, we do the real stars of the game. All right. Yeah. None of this, whoever picks this other stuff, they irrelevant. You know what I mean? I don't know who does it. We, we, it very well could be the coaches of the two teams that pick this stuff at the very end of the game. We're like roasting Carvel, yeah. right? Who the hell knows? But yeah, just at first glance, that just seems absolutely insane to me. I don't know who picks that type of stuff. Yeah. Let us know if you have any info on that. But uh, in regards to these games, anything anything that we haven't talked about that you want to get off your chest before we get going? Uh, in regards to the games, no. I mean, there was obviously the the Taco Bell story time that we could probably oh, yeah. leave, leave for another time if you wish. But no, we can mention it right now. We can, yeah. The so we were we were in our feelings as to UMass hockey fans would be after a bone crushing loss like that. But we figured, what what better way to drown our sorrows than with some highly processed Americanized Mexican food known as Taco Bell. (laughs) And as most people would do when you're in a relatively unfamiliar area, you would type in the local Taco Bell into Google Maps. And we, as people who are not extremely familiar with the North Shore of Massachusetts, like we just kind of blindly followed it and said, sure, let's follow the GPS because that's what most normal people trust. And that's what they do. You're not extremely skeptical about technology when you know, the technology was the same thing that got us there to begin with. We typed in Lawler Rink and no issues. We, we got mm-hmm. there just fine. So we were already in good graces with Google Maps and type in Taco Bell. We start making our way downtown. And by downtown, I mean the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere <laughs> off a of side street, mind you, in the middle of what was it? Where were we, where, where were we even going? Was it still Andover at that point? It was like 10 minutes away. Yeah, I think so. It was, yeah, middle of Andover, Mass. Like, it takes us into this random side street with woods on either side. And then we start looking at the map, and there's a literal industrial park on our right. Like, it looked like an extra space storage or something like that. And they're like, all right, man, you're here. Enjoy your Taco Bell. And we're like, ain't there, there's no Taco Bell around it's like a here. a warehouse. <laughs> like, it looked like I was about to get my kidneys removed. <laughs> like, I, I, it was like some sick joke. Like, it was like paranormal activity, but it got into your phone. Like, something was not correct. And we pulled over to the side of the road and said, all right, well, first, first we lose. <laughs> now we want to get sad Taco Bell. We can't even do that effectively. Like, and it, because not to mention, we, we were going to get food at the arena. And this will obviously be mentioned in the arena review. The arena, the arena food was not popping. We will definitely say that it was not great. But um, yeah, we, we finally get to the, uh, the, the new Taco Bell because we decided to type in a different address and it finally worked. Only problem is that the moment that we pull in, we see a guy urinating on the side of the road <laughs> when we get into the parking lot with our food. So we're, we're already at two L's right there. Basically three L's if you include the actual game loss. You know, we're seeing mm. guy peeing in the street completely put into the middle of nowhere when we try and get to the original taco bell and we have 30 seconds left in the game and we choke it It, we're we're not looking great at this point in time you know we're sitting there trying to eat our food and i i don't even know if we want to put this part into the pod but i'm just now finishing my food and then we decide 
we're extra sad today. Let's get seconds. So you see me burrito stuffed in my face, trying to drown my sorrows of the previous transgressions of losing. And we pull back up to the drive-thru window. The guy's like kind of looking at us a little weird. Like, why are you guys back here? Like, there's no way that there are four guys that all have the same high character hat in the drive-thru. <laughs> like something is not right here. And we end up getting slightly more food than we had originally wanted. But sometimes you got to do things. What, what do the kids call this nowadays? Self-care? Is that, is that what this is? <laughs> sure, I yeah. I, I think we're hitting the self-care portion because th- this is our first loss, you know what I mean, this season. Mm-hmm. We, we do not know what this feels like. You know, we, we have not dealt with this feeling in the past six and a half months now. I don't know mm-hmm. when our last game was. It was like early, early April, late March. Late March, yeah. It's been yeah, a while. It's been genuinely seven months to, to the day, most likely. <laughs> like, we're recording this, what is now bled into October 30th instead of the 29th. Mm-hmm. So we've been, we've been at this episode for quite a while, but I don't know. We were talking about it in the car. I feel like we should have mentioned this little terrible Taco Bell moment. You know, usually what would bring us comfort and solace in times of need was just not looking out for us in the slightest this weekend but sometimes you just got to take the good with the bad you know we got we got the good in the first game where we went in ot we got the bad which was us losing with 30 seconds left or i guess getting the game tied with 30 seconds left and the ugly was the guy peeing in the middle of the parking lot i guess so we we really we really got a whole range of emotions this weekend and at this point talking about it on the pod i wouldn't have it any other way because these are going to be some lovely memories for the rest of our life. Granted, it might be a very bad detriment of my character, knowing that a guy peeing in the middle of a Taco Bell parking lot in Woburn, Mass, is a lifetime memory for me. So, I don't know. I feel like I've been rambling for quite, quite, quite enough now. I'm extremely exhausted, and I think this is a great time to sign off for the night. <laughs> if you're if you're okay with that as you guys can see evan is on one tonight uh <laughs> and basically he is saying that um trips to north andover lawler rink not a, not a great time which segues us in uh <laughs> next <laughs> our next episode will be the arena review for lawler rink uh we mentioned in the beginning not the best place to watch a hockey game so we're gonna have some hot takes on this place coming up be sure to look out for that um wednesday or thursday sometime in the midweek so we'll have that for you guys um but other than that thank you guys if you listen thus far we just hit 500 followers on twitter so thank you guys for that we really appreciate all your support as always um we're just excited to get more umass con- more umass hockey content into the world but uh other than that thank you guys for listening and go umass go umass take care everybody and thank you for the support